So this is a path of awakening, this path that we follow, the path uh, that the Buddha laid out, the path of the Dharma. It's a path of awakening. Uh, sometimes words like awakening uh, may seem very, uh, very, uh, the concepts may seem very abstract or very far off. Uh, so one of the things that we try to do as teachers is, is to really kind of demystify these terms that may seem a little daunting. Uh, you know, when we, when we follow this path of awakening, what we're, what we're seeking to do is to stay awake, is to stay awake. So we can think about this path as a path of staying awake. And this is something, you know, that we can make an effort to do every day, every day. So what does it mean to stay awake? Uh, oftentimes, we, we, what helps us understand what these concepts mean, what staying awake means, is understanding what their, their uh, opposite is. So that's a kind of a good place for us to start. What does it mean not to be awake? What does it mean not to be awake? This was a state that uh, the Buddha uh, defined very clearly and spoke about in very specific terms. And, you know, the reason why he did that is so that we could identify uh, these states in which we're not awake. Uh, it's, it's a little tricky, of course, right? Because it's hard to identify the states in which you're not awake, because, of course, in this teaching, we're always asked to identify uh, what we're asked to identify in real time. And, of course, if we're not awake, uh, it's going to be hard to notice that we're not awake. So that's always, that's always the rub, right? That's always the rub. Uh, so we sort of really make a very proactive to try, effort to try to be awake uh, as much as possible so that we can start to notice what it's like when we're not awake. So it's kind of like if you want to know, know how the, the wind is blowing, you have to put up a flag so you can look outside the window. So what does it mean not to be awake? Uh, the term the Buddha used is uh, uh, bhava, B-H-A-V-A, -A, uh, which we usually translate as becoming, as becoming. So these states in which we're not awake are states of becoming. Uh, they arise, of course, out of our clinging, out of our holding on to the various forms of aversion and desire, uh, you know, being caught in wanting what we don't have and not wanting what we have, that clinging, uh, uh, leads us to these states of not being awake, which really are, you know, when we're, when we're in these states of not being awake, these states of becoming, you know, th these, this is really what suffering looks like uh, when we're in uh, states of becoming. So uh, the way the teaching describes this is, you know, this becoming, what that means is that which is becomes something else that which is becomes something else. So the present moment becomes something else. We create uh, an, an unreality. Uh, we create an unreality and we live in this unreality. That which is becomes something else. The Tibetans say our clinging and our holding on is like falling asleep and then we go into a dream state. And most of us are in a dream state most of the time, uh, the Buddha. Uh, looked out at the world after his awakening and, and he looked out at the world and said, you know, the world is attached to becoming. The world is afflicted by becoming. Uh, the world is, uh, for the most part, most of the time, uh, 
in these states of not being awake, states of becoming. You know, on a, on a very simple level, we can talk about, we can think about it as not being present, not being present. But, you know, what does that mean not to be, uh, not to be present? Uh, you know, we'll kind of break that down a little bit uh, today. Uh, but I think it's kind of good to, for us to kind of get a sense of uh, what the quality of that is like, right? So I'll kind of break that down again. But you know, what's that quality like when we're not being pre when we're not present? What's it like when we're not present? Uh, you know, so of course sometimes it's 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 kind of really blatant and we're really lost in thought or whatever. And sometimes it's just like more subtle, right? It's more subtle. We're sort of like in this daze, you know, this daze or this sort of zombie-like state. Uh, you know, we're just sort of like. We may not be completely asleep, but we're kind of dull and numb and, you know, not quite there, right? We're not quite there. Uh, we're just not quite right here in the present moment. Uh, and, I, and I think if you look at, again, and it's always a challenge to see this, but I think if you look at where you are most of the time, I mean, again, this is what the Buddha saw, is that most people most of the time are in this state of, you know, either subtly or perhaps in a blatant way, not being awake. So, you know, one of the interesting things about this state is, is that we crave this state. We crave this state of not being awake. And the Buddha said it's painful, and yet we, we delight in it. We crave it. Uh, you know, we, we crave these states of not being awake because we don't want to be awake. We don't want to be in the present moment. We, we find the pe present moment painful and difficult. Right? So we don't want to be awake. We'd rather we'd rather kind of go go to sleep. So there's two primary states of becoming, two primary states of becoming, and then a third state, which is sometimes called non-becoming. And what we're, again, what we're asked to do is to start to understand how we how we go into or live in these states of becoming. So the first state of becoming is the state that we go into when we chase after sense pleasure. So we, we get involved in sense pleasures, the pleasures, the various pleasures of the world. So even today, you know, even if you're here in the U.S., you know, and you, you got on the call at 10 a.m., you might have already been lost in a certain sense pleasure. Uh, you know, this morning, you know, maybe it was just, you know, your oatmeal, you know, uh, or maybe it was the Internet. You might have got lost a little bit uh, in a state of becoming and, you know, even before the class, you know, today, just like kind of scrolling through the internet or looking at the phone or checking your email. So we get, uh, we get caught in these states in which we're involved in sense pleasure, immersed in sense pleasure, distracted by sense pleasure, lost in sense pleasure. The pleasures of the world. Uh, you know, the Buddha defined four primary sense pleasures, forms of sense pleasure, uh, you know, over 2,600 years ago, and you know, it's pretty much the same today, right? Same, same body, same sense doors, you know, same sense pleasures. They take on different manifestations. So one was food, you know, the oatmeal, and uh, all the other delicious foods. Uh, the second was intoxicants. 
includes, of course, alcohol and drugs. The third is sex. And the fourth, which I always find interesting, is entertainment or entertainments that the Buddha described. Uh, you know, in his day, they were a little bit different than the way they are today. And dare I say, they weren't quite as, uh, you know, quite as uh, prevalent. Uh, you know, and of course, nowadays, uh, you know, the level of entertainments and uh, all the different forms of information that come through the various types of media and the technology uh, is just, you know, is just extraordinary. If it's the internet and, of course, the phone. The ubiquitous phone. You know, the phone is such a great way for us to get lost. Now, remember, we we being lost is painful, but we we don't want to be awake. So the phone is so good because you know you don't even have to be in front of the TV or the computer. You can be asleep all the time by carrying your phone around and looking at it. You know, so I mean, the classic sign of not somebody not being awake is just somebody walking down the sidewalk looking at the phone. You know. It's like you know, zombies on the sidewalk in New York. Um, so, what we're asked to do, of course, is to is to look at uh, ourselves and see where we are in terms of uh, our propensity for not being awake. So, uh, you know, and I put some of these little reflections in on the notes. But one good reflection is to what extent are we removed? from present, the present moment because of our involvement with sense pleasure. To what extent do we remove ourselves or are we removed or do we find ourselves removed from the present moment and not awake because of due to our involvement with the different pleasures of the world. And then of course, you know, you know, the, you know the question that follows on that is what's that like? You know, what's that like? And of course, that's something that we have to really, you know, the reflection is, 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 you know, we can reflect on that now, you know, and the reflection on it now or this afternoon, uh, you know, offers us, you know, sort of a template for, for looking as we go forward to be able to identify when we're in those states of becoming in which we're involved with sense pleasure. And then when we're involved in those states, hopefully we can identify them a little bit more and, you know, and then be able to ask the second question, which is really important, is what is this like? What is this like when I'm involved in this state of, uh, of becoming in which I'm caught in a certain sense pleasure? Because again, we delight in these states, but we're asked to kind of take a deeper look. Is there suffering? Is there pain? What's the quality of the body? What's the quality of the mind? And the second state of becoming is the state that we go into then when we uh, find ourselves in thought worlds. When we find ourselves in thought worlds. Now, you know, much of our involvement with sense pleasure, you know, includes being caught in thought worlds. You know, we're thinking about the different sense pleasures. Right now, you might be thinking about a, some kind of a sense pleasure. Uh, so. You know, the, the two kind of really kind of come together and so much of our involvement with sense pleasure also includes the thinking about the sense pleasure. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it is, you know, even when we're not consuming the sense pleasure, we're thinking about consuming it. Uh, we're thinking about what it was like when we consumed it. So we spend much of our time carried away by thinking, lost in thought.
lost in thought. We all know what Gandhi said when, when he was asked to characterize Western man, and he said, lost in thought, lost in thought, lost in thought. Another time he was asked, you know, what do you think of Western civilization? To which he replied, I think it would be a good idea. So, you know, we find ourselves in these states of becoming, in these thought worlds. We spend so much of our time in thought worlds. You know, and, and we start to kind of see that. I mean, it's always interesting, of course, uh, for, you know, for me at least, you know, and maybe for you too, or it was interesting for you. Uh, it's always interesting for me to see, like when people come to meditation, uh, when they start and they're newer and they start to see how much thinking they're doing, you know? We used to say that's the first insight in insight meditation, to realize you're spending all your time lost in thought, you know? Uh, and it can be a little, uh, can be a little disturbing to see that. But that's the beginning of the change, right? That's how we begin to change, as we begin to identify, you know, the disease. We begin to identify, uh, you know, our, our, il our illness. And once we can do that, then we can begin to, to apply the cure. So that's always a good thing. I mean, for me, you know, when the student, I had somebody like this recently who was very, a very diligent new student who, uh, you know, was really kind of starting to look at her mind, you know, and, person is probably younger than I was when I when I started and it's like really disturbed about how much time they're spending lost in thought and you know for, for me it's like oh this is great you know you know I'm so glad that you're disturbed because you're starting to see this you know it's like most people never see this most people don't realize that they're lost in thought so we're lost in all these thoughts right Thoughts of the past, thoughts of the future. We used to always talk about watch the thoughts about jobs, relationships, and apartments. You know, thoughts about ourselves, thoughts about the world. I like the way the Buddha described, you know, in terms of identifying, you know, when you're in these states of becoming, you know, uh, you know, he called these the craving verbalizations, you know, and, you know, it's, there's the thoughts about ourselves. I was like this in the past, you know. I'm like this now, I'm good, I'm bad, this is what I'm gonna be like in the future. I don't wanna be like this in the future. I wanna be like this in the future. And then the thoughts about the world. This is how the world was, you know? This is how the world is, the world is good, the world is bad, could be others. You know, this is how the world is gonna be in the future, this is how I want it to be, this is how it might be. So again, you know, to start to reflect on this, you know, as a way of creating uh, a lens or a frame through which we can begin to, to start to see and understand. Uh, and, you know, the primary reflection is to what extent are we removed, distanced from the present moment? Are we lost in states of becoming because of our uh, involvement in thought worlds? And then, you know, as we start to begin to look at that, what's that like? What's the body like? What's the mind like? Really important to notice what the body is like when we're involved and we're caught in these states of becoming. And then this third state, which I won't talk about too much, but I think is, 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 is very relevant and very important, you know, and it kind of works right on the other two states, uh, is what's known as the states of non-becoming. And, you know, this is what the, what the Buddha said is, you know, the untrained mind 
uh, wants to, you know, on some level knows that these states of becoming are painful and the way that it seeks to escape these states of, uh, of becoming that are painful uh, is by kind of checking out. So going into a state of non-becoming. So, you know, the greatest form of checking out would be suicide. Uh, but there's all different forms of checking out, you know, uh, going and allowing ourselves to go into a numb or a diluted state. So they, those states tend to kind of follow right on these states of becoming, going into these states of non-becoming where we just, you know, there's just no affect, that we're just in a sort of a dull, zombie-like state. So another good reflection as to what extent are we in states of non-becoming. So that leads us to the second part of our, our inquiry uh, this morning, which is how do we find our way out of becoming? How do we find our way out of becoming? And of course, as I said, the first thing of, is to be able to identify uh, the illness, and then we can begin to apply the cure. So, uh, you know, in our practice in meditation, you know, we're training the mind to be awake. We're training ourselves to be awake. We're training ourselves to be awake. Now, one of the things that's a little bit interesting about meditation, of course, is what are we doing? you know, I hope, you know, we're withdrawing from sense pleasure. So we're sort of taking that out of the equation, I hope, you know, you know, we're not meditating and then, you know, halfway through the meditation. Oh, right, meditate. Can't have the coffee right now. You know, so we're putting aside, you know, those pleasures of the world, you know, hopefully we're not looking at the phone. God, I hope not. Uh, during the meditation. So we're putting aside the pleasures of the world. Uh, and then, of course, what we, what we often do is we're thinking a lot about the pleasures of the world when we're meditating. Uh, but the state of becoming that we're dealing with primarily in the meditation is the, it being in, immersed in, involved in thought worlds, right? Uh, so, you know, in the meditation, we're training ourselves to come out of these thought worlds, to come out of the head, uh, come out of this thinking, to come into the body yeah, and to come to the breath. Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, the first and most important movement in, 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 in bringing ourselves into the present moment, into a state of being awake, is to come to the body. And of course, we use the breath. So the Buddha said, uh, they awaken, always wide awake. Gautama's disciples, the Buddha's disciples, whose mindfulness, both day and night, is constantly immersed in the body. So they awaken, always wide awake, Gautama's disciples, whose mindfulness, both day and night, is constantly immersed in the body. So this is, you know, if we can start to, you know, the more we can be in the body, the more we can start to be awake. So it's not this, you know, this, you know, great abstract idea. This is what we're training ourselves to do. So uh, there's really three parts to this, right? There's mindfulness, alertness, and ardency. You know, these are the three uh, qualities or uh, mental uh, functions that we seek to develop in the service of bringing ourselves into be, the, the awake state. I mean, ultimately, we have to uproot the craving and the clinging, which leads us into those up into those states, 
but you know what bring starts to bring us into being awake and puts us in position to do that is mindfulness alertness and ardency so what is mindfulness mindfulness is you know and again this is the buddhist definition of mindfulness it might clash with some contemporary or psychotherapy based definitions of mindfulness but the buddhist definition of mindfulness is to put the mind on something and of course the buddha taught right mindfulness right mindfulness is mindfulness of the four foundations of mindfulness and it's always grounded in the first foundation of mindfulness which is mindfulness of the body so mindfulness always starts and always includes being mindfulness of the body and generally includes being mindful of the breath as a way of centering ourselves in the body. So this is what the Buddha's mindfulness is. It begins with mindfulness of the breath, the mindfulness of the breath. So again, mindfulness of the breath, mindfulness of the body, <clears throat> excuse me, means to put the mind on the breath, to put the mind on the body, which leads us to the you know, the $64,000 question, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you become awake? See, I'm giving you all the, all the keys to the kingdom are here this morning for the, for the, for the 23 of you who, who made the effort to get here. So how do you do that? How do you bring yourself into an awake state by being mindful of the breath, putting the mind on the breath? You use directed thought. You use directed thought. So you use thinking to bring yourself into the present moment, to bring yourself into an awake state. So you use thinking. If it's stay with the breath, stay with the breath, breath, mindful, an image, whatever it is, you're using thinking to keep the mind in the present moment to come out of the head to come out of the asleep and non-awake state into the present moment. And of course, you have to be very proactive in doing that. You know, that's something that you have to be very proactive in doing in terms of being able to stay awake. You know, because again, all of our inclination is not to be awake and all of our habit is not to be awake. You know, you know, uh, you know and you're going against, you know, this is the thinking that's bringing you into the present moment and you're, you know, what are you, what are you operating against? All this thinking that's seeking to take you out of the present moment. So we have to be very proactive in using thinking to bring ourselves into the present moment, into the awake state. And of course, this is this is where the great paradox, what Thomas Arabico calls the paradox of becoming. You know, you have to use thinking to bring yourself out of thought worlds. You know, you have to use thinking to bring yourself out of thought worlds. This is a very, very important concept because what most people or a lot of people, I'll go with a lot of people this morning, tend to believe is that, okay, being in thought worlds is a problem. What I have to do is eliminate thinking. A, you can't eliminate thinking. That's the mind's default state. It's going to think. B, you know, you're never going to be able to get yourself into the present moment unless you use thinking. You think the mind's just going to go to the breath on its own? Of course not. You know, so you have to use thinking. So what you're doing is replacing unskillful thinking, thinking that's leading you to suffering and states of becoming 
with skillful thinking that's leading you to the breath, to the body, to a state of being awake. Eventually you don't need that thinking, you know? Don't worry about when that's gonna happen, you know? That's gonna happen a long time from now, you know? A long time from now. So you're gonna need that. I mean, technically you don't need that thinking when you get to the second jhana, very, very high level of concentration. Don't worry about it. Uh, you need that thinking to get yourself into the present moment, to get yourself into that awake state. So our practice is proactive in that we're keeping the mind on the breath using thinking, and it's also purposeful in that we are aligned with a sense of purpose in keeping the mind on the breath. So our sense of purpose is, I want to be present, I want to be awake, I want to abandon these states of becoming. The Buddha said the holy life is lived for the abandoning of becoming. I want to abandon becoming. I want to end my suffering. I want to be happy. That's why I'm going to make this effort to use thinking to keep my mind on the breath. Now, no pun intended, think about this. What's, how do you set that intention? How do you align yourself with that purpose? You've got to use thinking. You know, you know, you have to use thinking to connect yourself to the heart and the quality of metta in the heart. So again, this is the skillful use of thinking, replacing unskillful thinking with skillful thinking. Another word for this, meditation. And this is what we're doing in the meditation. You know, there's a few skillful thoughts that we are proactively engendering in meditation because you have that capacity to proactively engender thinking, right? In the meditation, we're doing that in the service of being skillful in terms of keeping ourselves in the present moment and being awake. So we're replacing that unskillful thinking about the jobs, the relationships, the past, the future, I was this, I'm gonna be that, the world's like this, ba ba ba, with let's be mindful of the breath. Let me stay mindful of the breath. Let me be mindful of the body. I'm doing this out of compassion. I'm doing this out of loving kindness. So that's mindfulness. Mindfulness is using thought fabrication to bring yourself to the breath and into the body and into an awake state. The second quality, and I'm gonna really focus on these two qualities today, mindfulness and alertness. The second quality is alertness. And these, both of these qualities really need to be developed. And, you know, developed means that it's something that you can do, you know? These are things that you can do in the meditation in training yourself to be awake. You can practice mindfulness by keeping the attention on the breath using directed thought and by cultivating alertness, which is a quality that you have available to you. Now, alertness is a separate quality of mind that you have to really start to learn to understand that is the part of the mind that is watching what's happening, is watching what's happening. So there's a quality in the mind or a function in the mind that's watching what's happening. Am I staying with the breath? Am I keeping the attention on the breath? Am I using directed thought to stay with the breath? Do I need to use more directed thought? Is there thinking arising that's not in my best interest right now? Is there thinking arising? Am I starting to chase after the thinking? Am I going into a dull state and checking out? So 
mindfulness has to be paired with alertness. Mindfulness puts the attention into the present moment, into the breath, into the awake state. Alertness is noticing, am I staying here? Am I staying awake? Am I staying awake? See, like, mindfulness is ostensibly, you know, you, you know, if you think about mindfulness of hearing, you know, this is an analogy, sort of, but it's a relevant analogy, right? Mindfulness is, okay, I'm, I'm here on Saturday, a Sunday, see, that shows you where I am, uh, uh, you know, and I'm a listening, you know, to Dubinin, you know, uh, alertness is, am I really listening, or is my mind wandering? You know, am I commenting on what he's saying? Am I thinking about the oatmeal that I had this morning or, the, you know, the, the avocado that I have sitting on the counter that I can't wait to get to when he's done with his talk, you know, or whatever. So uh, alertness is that quality of the mind that's watching. Am I staying awake? It's keeping you awake. It's keeping you in the moment. So, you know, this is an ability that you have. You, have a, you really have a profound ability to be alert it tends to be an ability that we don't use nearly to the extent that we can, because the tendency of the mind is what? Is to go into a dull state, right? Is to go into a non-awake state. So again, you have to be proactive in terms of activating your alertness. Now, the thing about that is that you can just do that by inclining the mind to alertness. So even right now, you can say to yourself, let me be a little more alert. Let me listen with a little bit more alertness. Let me bring it up. It's almost like turning a switch or turning a dimmer knob. Let me bring my alertness up. You see how that works? How you can bring your alertness up just by inclining the mind. But again, it's something that you have to be proactive in doing. And you know, it's just not gonna happen. You have to use thinking to incline your mind. I mean, that's what it means to incline the mind. You're inclining the mind, you're using thinking to activate this mental quality of alertness. You know? So, you know, but you have to be proactive with it. So just, I was kind of modeling that during the meditation, be alert, be alert, be alert. So when I'm meditating, you know, it's like, be mindful of the breath, be mindful of the breath. And then I'm checking, you know, be alert, be alert, stay alert. Am I alert? Be alert, bring up your alertness. You have to keep doing that during the meditation. So mindfulness and alertness are really what, what, you know, these are the essential qualities in terms of staying awake, staying awake, mindfulness and alertness. And of course, as these qualities develop, uh, you know, then we can begin really to evaluate the breath, right? So being able to evaluate the breath is largely a function of, of uh, alertness. Uh, where you know, the mind is alert enough to where uh, you're not just aware of the breath, but you're aware of what the breath feels like, right? Uh, so once we're, once we, you know, I'm not going to go through that chapter and verse. I went through it to some extent in the meditation. Once we, you know, once we, the mindfulness starts to establish and there's enough alertness, we can use uh, the mindfulness and the alertness to cultivate an easeful and pleasurable breath. And then we can use mindfulness to be mindful of the body and our alertness to cultivate a pleasurable abiding in the body. And then, you know, this is essential to really being able to stay in the body, right? If the body starts to feel pleasurable, 
uh, and the present moment starts to feel pleasurable and the state of awakeness is pleasurable, the state of being awake is pleasurable, uh, then uh, the mind will incline more to being present. Uh, so what are we doing here? You know, in cultivating this pleasurable state in the meditation where we're cultivating an alternative to the pleasures of the world. We're cultivating an alternative to the pleasures of the world. So what we're doing, and I don't want to get way too, uh, I don't want to get too complicated here because these concepts are a little hard to understand perhaps, perhaps if we haven't practiced them so much. Uh, what we're doing is we're creating, you know, first we create an alternative state of becoming by using thinking in a skillful way. And then we're creating an alternative state of becoming it's skillful pleasure, right? These states of becoming. So we cultivate this state of becoming that's skillful, that keeps us in the present moment. Because you can't just say, oh, I'm going to give up all the pleasures of the world. You know, that's not going to work, right? The pleasures of the world are very clingable. So, you know, if we're inclined to the pleasures of the world, you know, we're going to be lost a lot of the time. So we can't just say, and we can't just say, I'm going to give up pleasure. Can't do, you can't do that anymore as a human being than you can give up thinking. I mean, these are qualities, you know, and this is why, you know, we have to train the mind because they're so inherent to what it means to be a human being. We think and we incline to pleasure, two of our biggest qualities as a human being. So how do you deal with them? If you deal with those things unskillfully, you're going to be lost all the time and you're going to suffer. If you deal with those things skillfully, you can be awake and know true happiness. Yeah. So we learn to take those human proclivities to thinking and use that in a skillful way to keep us in the present moment and that human proclivity to incline to pleasure to create an internal abiding that's pleasurable so the mind will stay in the body and in the present moment. Ardency is we just stay with it, we stay with it, we stay with it, we stay with it, we stay with it out of compassion. In the meditation, you just don't go at the, in the, at the beginning of the meditation, let me put the mind on the breath and be alert, you know, and then the next half hour, you know, no, you've got to stay with it, right? You have to stay with it. You have to stay with it. And then, of course, we're not just staying with it in the meditation. The meditation is just a training, you know, I mean, we have to learn to be awake in the meditation, but that's just a training for being awake in our lives. You know, we're doing the same thing. We're trying to do the same thing in our lives. So an, another good reflection of is how much of our day is spent in states of becoming. So this is something to really, you know, this could be a good homework assignment and really to pay attention to that this week. How much of, you know, again, it's a tricky one because when you're in a state of becoming, you don't realize you're in a state of becoming. So how much of the time am I in a state of becoming? How much of the time am I lost in a sense pleasure and am I lost in thought? When we look, we start to see that most of the time, for most of us, we're in a state of becoming. But we can awaken. You know, we can awaken by being mindful and alert. We can use the breath to direct the attention to the body and into the present moment. We can keep the breath in mind. We can do our best to stay out of the head, to come out of the head, using thinking to come into the body. And we can maintain alertness during the day. You know, we can incline the mind to being alert, just like right now as you're listening to me, right? You have to keep doing that. Listen to what he's saying, mindfulness, be alert, stay with it. Don't let the mind drift off into thoughts about the avocado, you know, 
or what you're going to watch on TV later. You know, mindfulness and alertness, right? These are things that just aren't going to happen. You know, this is where, you know, mental training comes in. It's a training. It's like going to the gym. You know, it's something you have to do. Listening to, listening to a, an app isn't going isn't gonna to train the mind. You know, you have to train the mind by using thinking to incline yourself into the present moment and to stay alert. And then, of course, you know, we're also cultivating this internal pleasure, you know, in the course of our days that enables us to stay awake uh, because it keeps our attention in the body and not out and looking and chasing after the pleasures of the world. So there's mindfulness that we cultivate during the day by staying in the moment, alertness and internal pleasure that offers us an alternative to the becoming that we go into when we get lost in the pleasures of the world. So this is the path of awakening. This is something that we can do. It requires some effort, right? It requires some effort. Most of all, it requires persistence. You know, it's just staying with it over time. You know, just being mindful and alert over time. Being mindful and alert over time. You know, the more we can be mindful and alert, the more we can be awake, the more we can be present, the more we can be in the body, the more we can be in the heart, you know, the more we can be awake to the Dharma inside of ourselves.